Welcome to End Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And yeah, you blend. We're looking at my cousin Vinny. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how you doing today? Hey, you know, Jeff, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> doing pretty good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing as good as my cousin Vinny. Oh, my cousin Vinny. This might be my f- one of, if not my favorite. Uh, titular line the deliveries. The titular line delivery is done so perfectly. Such exuberance from Ralph Macchio. And then just like immediately cutting to like the car driving down the road. And my cousin Vinny. We're meeting. It's me laugh uh so listener this is our first episode of oscars month (laughs) uh, which means that every episode this month will feature at least one academy award winning performance in honor of the academy awards being later this month uh and as always the academy awards are meaningless nonsense but i'm still obsessed with them i can't (laughs) help it i know it's stupid dumb dumb bs but I still, I you still can't turn it. it off. But I still love that Marissa Tomei won an Oscar for this performance. Oh, it's it, watching this incredible performance. It is so insulting how many people for years and oh, years. Oh, Jack Palance just read the name wrong because he's old. Until the La La Land debacle when yeah. we all like it became much more front facing with all of the yep. like <laughs> all, all <laughs> the different like standbys and fail safes were. It's like, OK, so we would have found out. Right. In the 90s, if that was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, and clearly it wasn't. It's it's the one thing I feel like uh, the Tonys at least are better about is like they will award a comedic performance because in the theater, oh, you understand that comedy, it's hard. It's sometimes harder than tragedy. Sometimes harder than drama, depending. Yeah. You know, a lot I, of people I think can there cry. Are definitely so many comedic performances that never got nominated for major awards. Yes. That's like, what are we talking about? And people and and like comedic people who are I mean, he's just like the first person that comes off the top of my head, but someone like a Steve Martin, someone who's like, this is a someone, comedic genius. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean talking about Jim Carrey and Truman Show, you know, mm-hmm. that's never been nominated for an Oscar and has arguably given at least two Academy Award worthy performances mm-hmm. for for a nomination at least you know but the uh, snobbery <laughs> i mean in addition to so many other problematic elements that make up the academy oh, but let's just think? in this case right right say the snobbery is high <laughs> it sure is but yes we've got a lot of fun films lined up for this month so listener make sure if you're not already subscribing to end almost starring wherever you listen to your podcast please consider giving us a subscribe uh and maybe a rate and review five stars if you're enjoying look why wouldn't you do it you know why wouldn't you subscribe you won't miss a moment of this like fantastic discourse (laughs) and my pitch perfect brooklyn accent (laughs) a meatball just fell out of my mouth oh man i was uh i wasn't gonna comment on the meatball that is now rolling on our the floor of our <laughs> but there it is quote unquote podcast studio uh <laughs> but let's get into it my cousin Vinny is a, my cousin Vinny is a comedy that came out on march 13th 1992 and was directed by jonathan lynn and written by dale launer amy joe what's your experience with my cousin Vinny? had had you seen it before 
This is a family fave. Um, unlike, say, Sister Act, which mm-hmm. we watched in its entirety in our youth, this was one where my parents would let us watch the courtroom scenes because yes. there was less swearing in less them. Swear- I, there is very a- fa- you know, he he tries to swear, and Fred Gwynn gets on him at that. It's like, what do you say? What's exactly. that? So, like, we had, from a young age, seen these courtroom scenes a million times. So that denouement I have seen a bajillion times. I don't remember at what point. My dad was like, okay, you can watch the whole movie. But it's like one of my dad's favorite movies. So, of course, it was just like, I want you all to see this ridiculous movie. (laughs) And like you – like how old were you when you were watching these courtroom scenes? Like you knew – that we knew we weren't seeing the whole seeing the whole film we weren't like giving you like the run like yes he told us leading up to this he told us what happened and said we couldn't watch it because there was language like we understood what was happening Mm -hmm. and why we weren't watching the whole thing and we were like i accept this you're my parent i do what you tell me you know but how um, how old were you guys i don't know i probably it was like you're you know whatever school late elementary school because i could see this could be like a sixth seventh grade situation this could be like i'm a little baby but i'm just Oh, no, I don't remember at what point the tides turned, but also because like we I watched Clue way too young, like just because of, you know, the stabbiness. It is funny when you're like Clue is what a PG movie and my cousin Vinny is R. My cousin Vinny is like has some language and Clue has a a plethora of murdered homicides, just considering other great Jonathan Lynn comedies. Exactly. Uh, But yes, there's yeah, just what I find most disturbing. And this is not an episode on Clue, but now we're talking about Clue listener is when they are pretending that it's a party when the cop visits and yes. he, he's dancing, who's is it? Is it Martin Mull's Colonel yes, Mustard dancing? Martin Mull and the, Eileen Brennan the, um, with the cook in between. Who's dan- them. Oh, with the cook in between them. Yes, and so <sighs> so that you have the cook there, and and Eileen Brennan is pulling her eyelids up, <laughs> and and then uh, Martin Mull is like, but it looks like he's pulling her. Eye- oh no, no no! Martin Mull, sorry, has reached around the head of the cook and is pulling her eyelids up, and Eileen Brennan is reaching around oh, both the cook and Martin Mull to like run her fingers and like a oh, I'm playing the piano so style up and down, and and then. <laughs> and then Leslie Ann Warren as Miss Scarlet is like it has Mr. Body right it has Lee Vang where he she he she no, she's she like, and Professor Plum are oh. making out oh but uh, I thought with the um uh, Mrs. White is making out with oh with Mrs. Lee White I'm so, so Mrs. Madeline White Khan. is like listener I've seen God. Clue before I don't know if that's evident yeah, I, I, from this I mean, conversation it's so good such a good film but no Miss Scarlet and Professor Plum are like making out with the the uh, driver nearby and they've like poured liquor all over him so yes yeah, don't like he's don't worry out. everyone's got a corpse everyone's got Everyone a corpse Everyone's dealing with with hiding the corpse from the cops. So, yes, it's really uh, a lot of darkness there with all that hilarity. But no one's saying that naughty F word, so that's okay. It's the 50s. They didn't do those things. We know this is true. Yes, sure. Decorum. Uh, but yeah, so I, I'd seen this movie younger as well. I think I was allowed to see it from the jump, uh, well, some look point, at you. some point after third grade. Cause that was when I saw my first R rated movie, which was speed with Keanu Reeves. And that was like, once it was that, once I saw that, it was like, okay, well now the dam has been broken. And it wasn't like I was going from that to watching whatever basic instinct and showgirls <laughs> and Goodfellas. Speaking of great Joe Pesci performances, oh, hey. which I just rewatched like two weeks ago. So to just rewatch Goodfellas and then see Joe Pesci here, what a run with Home Alone, Goodfellas and this, mm. uh, such great performances. And also 
to have him as Tommy DeVito in Goodfellas winning an Oscar. He like he won the Oscar during the filming of this movie. So there's like uh, I think it might be when he's in jail snoozing. I, mm-hmm. I forget. But it was like for the first take that he, he like had he was like curled up with his Oscar like oh, a little that's... like a little uh, like a little teddy bear. Uh, <laughs> that's so great. But that is like he is so terrifying in Goodfellas. He's so good. Oh, but he's yeah. so scary. I mean, I like, haven't seen it in years, but I do recall being shocked because I, of course, knew him mostly from Home Alone and right. my cousin Vinny. And he's downright cuddly in this film. He's just a little teddy bear. He's yeah. the teddy bear in this film uh, compared to Goodfellas. And Home Alone. Home, Home Alone. He like left a scar on Macaulay Culkin's finger biting down yeah. on it. Chomp, chomp. Uh, but yeah, I've seen this as a kid uh, and really enjoyed it. But I, I hadn't seen it in a while. And we, we just rewatched it this summer with your dad. With my dad, we were doing uh, puzzles. Is, we were doing a puzzle. It was great. Classic quarantine activities, yes. puzzling, Classic and watching a fam film. activity, but true. definitely felt very on on brand for 2020. That's true. But uh, yeah, I think it's just a delight. And rewatching, I was like, oh yeah, uh, this is a film I can easily be rewatching whatever like two three times a year this is just such a delight it goes down so easy yeah and it's like so it's there's no villains you know everyone's just trying to do their job Mm -hmm. there's there's no mean spiritedness it's just a good old-fashioned courtroom comedy with some fish out of water yeah but where no one's the joke you've got like you've got the you know the italians from like the brooklyn brooklyn and then you've got all the alabama everyone from alabama but like no one is being made fun of which helps you would argue that the people from alabama who are working in the courthouse know a lot more about how to do their job than our protagonist this is very true there was a cut we'll get into the synopsis so soon i swear but there was like apparently he was supposed to be dyslexic in the script Vinny. so it it, to make it to give reason for why it's taken him so long to pass the bar bar. and like they were gonna show like him trying when trying to read like you're gonna see like all scrambled and then like kind of fade into focus focus and then like the next sentence and that like that happens like three lines and then you're to kind of get that but jonathan lynn just had it i guess he apparently had trouble um, like physicalizing figuring out how to exactly how to physicalize that so they just dropped it so instead he just kind of looks like he's a bit dim right kind of just like that's so interesting finally gets in, I, invested enough to i get that it's not the kind of movie where you're seeing a lot of that kind of effect so it feels almost like that sort of thing wouldn't belong i would get why he'd be like oh i don't want to do this but man like that would explain a lot and like i i not as a person who is not dyslexic I I'm like not as aware of like where we're seeing dyslexic characters on film, but it's like, that is like so real from my understanding of having talked to people who are dyslexic. It's like, of course it takes longer and the world is not set up for you to succeed in doing this sort of thing. You know, I just did a reading with an actor who's dyslexic and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're having to do reading after reading. And now we're digital. Yeah. I was like, this is, you're, you're like a hero. Like you, they were really like, hard, they're like, well, huh? I have to have it blown up to a certain size. And then, you know, I'm, I'm dyslexic. So it just, it takes everything a little longer. I was like, oh, geez, you wow. know, the, how the world is not set up for you to succeed. And then it's also like, you're coming from a working class background and then you're going to the South where like you're looked at, I, there's a lot there. I see why it was cut. And also I wish they'd found a way to make it work even just adding in a line or something like that you know yeah they had also had all these scenes filmed with ralph macchio's mother because they were worried Mm. like why is she not there so she was like in the hospital like she had like some kind of i I think like the news of that she was on he was her son's on trial like sent her into the hospital and so there he had all these phone conversations with her to check in with her and then they were like is that on he's gonna care and then they were like let's just try 
let's screen it without those scenes and see if anyone brings it up and no one brought it up mm-hmm. which you know it's because it's a it's a tight enough screen screenplay you're not like where's his parents and he mentions his mother he talks he with his, his mother, mother that's yeah. who's the one who says you've got a lawyer in the family my cousin Vinny. yeah uh, but you don't think about like yeah why isn't she there when her son is on, on trial, trial for, for murder. murder totally i mean i'll be honest i didn't think about it but i think part of it's because like She's got family down there. She's got eyes on the situation through Vinny. Maybe you, you could think about. And also it's like, but not yeah. everyone can be like, well, I can leave my life. Well, this is true, but we're not getting her checking in with Vinny, you know, which could add to just like the, the, the stakes, you know, right. Which that scene, I swear we're going to get to the synopsis listener. The scene with Mona, Mona Lisa Vito, Marissa, Academy Award winner, Marissa Tomei, where her biological clock is ticking, ticking. like this. Uh, is such a great way to to show all the stakes. Like we've seen them all, but for him to his little mini monologue of that, like you know, I've got this judge just itching to throw me in jail. I got this. I got these two kids who's like innocent kids whose lives hang in the balance. Like I, I my career, my career, our marriage, right, not exactly. to mention not your, to mention your uh, uh, biological clock. Uh, yeah, it does so good. But like you could have this mother like calling to be like, my son, you know, you you gotta. Uh, win this win case, this case. Vinny. yeah. To be add, adding to his stress if he's also fielding calls from the mom, but you don't miss it. You don't need it because the screenplay's so tight. You got it two hours. It's like it's also like a leisurely film in in certain ways, like the first half. But I I love every second of it. There's mm-hmm. so many scenes. All the scenes between Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei. You could cut some of these, but I would be so sad if you did. You would, and also it's such a great such great chemistry. It all also. I would argue that just about all of it pays off in that final yeah. scene. Yeah. Just about everything. So much of this film, the writing in this film, is set up we do not realize is set up. Yeah, it's so first... deftly done. It just feels like character or like contributing to the fish out of water, but like, oh, they wake up, they're exhausted, they have breakfast, grits, what's this? And right, that, setting up the grits. Yeah, it pays off later. So much of stuff that you're like, I don't, I don't even notice it because it just feels like fun storytelling. I mean, yeah, just from the jump of like our first scene with Vinny and Mona Lisa is talking about the car, talking about yes. the, like the, the, the t- mud in the tires. And it's just like setting up like, oh, yeah, she knows everything about cars. There's the scene later in the rain where we see the tires. And one yep. tire spins, the other tire does nothing. It's a smart film. So you know what? Let's let's just. Should we synopsize let's, the let's, thing? Let's synopsize the thing. So driving. Oh, spoilers ahead. If you have not seen My Cousin Vinny. We've already seen ruined it a, while, a lot of it for you. Here's a brief-ish synopsis. Yes. So so spoilers behind. So apologies, <laughs> listener. Uh, but you know what? It's you know, it's not the. It's not that. Sorry, we ruined a thirty-year-old journey. Movie. It's you know, it doesn't matter what happened. It's how you get there. So even if you have heard this, like, still watch this film because it's an utter delight. But just so you know, the synopsis. Here we go. Driving through Alabama on their way to UCLA, college students Bill Gambini and Stan Rothenstein shop at a sack of suds convenience store. And such a great, such a great choice of titles for like ambiance, but also what's going to sound good in a deep South good old boy accent. Oh, sack, sack of suds. suds. Uh, and Bill accidentally shoplifts a can of tuna. After they leave, the store clerk is robbed and killed, and Bill and Stan are arrested for the murder. Due to circumstantial evidence and a confession to the shoplifting that is misconstrued as a confession to the shooting, Bill is charged with first-degree well, murder. Well, it's also, he's asking the question, when the guy's like, when did you shoot the clerk? And he goes, 
I, I shot, shot the, the clerk? clerk? Like, and he's clearly asking right. a question, but they write it as a statement, which they therefore then say is a confess. I'm sure, I'd be if it's not already, I'm sure someone could very easily edit this film into like a trailer for like a making a, making a murderer oh, yeah, 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 type yeah. show. Some Brendan Dassey stuff. Exactly. Uh, so Bill is charged with first degree murder and Stan is an accessory, but luckily Bill has an attorney in the family, my cousin Vinny. I, I, I can't stop saying it like that. That Ralph Macchio Why just like you? gargling on Meatball's accent. Accent. Ah, my cousin Vinny. Ah. I adore it. Uh, <laughs> so Vincent LaGuardia Gambini travels to Alabama accompanied by his fiance Mona Lisa Vito. Although willing to take the case, Vinny is a personal injury lawyer. It's from such a good reveal. They're like, oh, uh, is, uh, you done a murder case before? This will be, actually be my no. first murder case. Oh, you done, oh, you're uh, done you assault know, burglary, battery, bur- assault battery. No, mm, no, none of that. None of that. <laughs> personal injury. And then also that's so well threaded throughout with the like sub, like the tiny like tertiary subplot of the like guy they're trying to like get to pay up for the money that like Mona Lisa yes. won a pool of him, his friend with the neck brace and, and <laughs> And like you see, Vinny is like a good lawyer. What he knows how to do, right? He's like, he's like, you, no. do you fall down at work or, or I, uh, no, my home? No, my home. <sighs> Was it your home or someone else's home? My own home. It's like, ah, I can't, like, I can't, I can't do nothing. But from you. But it's like also seeding the fact that right. it's like he could be good if given the time and tools. You know, he's observant. He just yes. doesn't know. What you know, to do? you can't know what you don't know. And you know, Fred Gwynn gives him this gigantic book just of this. all the laws of alabama for him to look through uh which if we set up that he was dyslexic would make more sense of why he's like when one is like did you even read this you know but alas alack uh but yes he is also newly admitted to the bar and with no trial experience he managed he's been practicing for six weeks almost six weeks vinnie manages to fool the trial judge chamberlain holler that he is experienced enough for the case his ignorance of basic courtroom procedures, dress code, and his abrasive attitude caused the judge to repeatedly hold him in contempt, and which leads, I mean, such a great payoff, this running gag of him never getting sleep of every every hotel they go to. It's like there's a train there's going the by train. at 5 there's in the, the morning. There's the steam the, whistle. The pigs, the pigs. Like slaughterhouse. The, uh, the shriek owl. Right, this owl screeching, and then they're like, yeah, so he finally is like, he keeps getting thrown in jail, and finally he's like, Mona Lisa, like, don't bail me out. Like, maybe I'll finally get a night of sleep. And you cut to, like, a prison riot happening, and you're like, oh, he's still, like, and then but the camera pans, and he's sleeping like a baby. That's great. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, so after Vinny's poor showing at the hearing, Stan fires him and uses the public defender, John Gibbons. Uh, and MVP Austin Pendleton. Broadway Broadway legend, Austin Pendleton. Uh, and... Stan nearly convinces Bill to do the same, but in questioning the first witness, Gibbons turns out to be extremely nervous with a severe stutter, and his line of questioning assists the prosecution's case. I just love that. I think it's his last line where it's like Stan stands like, I I can't believe like what what is like I'm getting better. <laughs> it's like I get nervous. Uh, I get a little nervous. A little nervous. I'm getting I, better. Or is either that or like I'm working on it. No, it's I think I'm it was getting, like getting better. You're right. I'm getting yeah. better. No, uh, it's it's interesting because it's the kind of thing that watching it, I'm like I don't love that like we're using a stutter as a joke, but it true. is something that truly only comes out when this character is nervous. Um, yeah, because in his first scene, he's, he's nothing. Well, and all the even just like sitting at the at the table talking to Stan, but like you see the beads of perspiration. They've clearly oh. spritzed him, you know, with a water bottle right His before he goes, you know, sweating and just, it's, it, <laughs> it's just watching him like try to refer to people and like keep his thoughts in order. Austin Pendleton is 
very funny. He's so good. I mean, you could see in the back of his scene of of that uh, what's his face the actor playing Stan looking away and Ralph Macchio just covering his face because they they're like, were oh, I'm cracking so up, ashamed. Fully cracking up in the but you know, those actors are like, no, I right. can't ruin the take. <laughs> You're uh, this take. So despite his missteps, Vinny makes up for his inexperience with an aggressive and perceptive questioning style. This great payoff of the of the grits when yeah. just asking like at the diner, like what, like what is this? Like what how, is how, how do you make those grits? And learning it takes like twenty minutes to make grits. So when this witness is like, you know, in five minutes I made my breakfast and then I saw these two running out. It, this great, this monologue of Joe Pesci is like, now were these magic grits that could be made and when everyone knows that it takes 20 minutes for you to did make Did you grits. buy these grits from? Yeah, from, is it, did you get these grits from uh, where Jack what? got the magic beans from the beanstalk? I just love it too when he's like, use instant grits? He's like, oh, no self-respect in the sub and he uses instant <laughs> grits. And everyone on the jury is like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and then you see Joe Pesci like, I gotcha. <laughs> you like your grits uh, regular, creamy, or, or al, al dente. dente. Like his look to him is like, what are regular? Well, that does change the time. It does. Is that a way that one would make grits though? He looked at him as if that was a way, like that's a ridiculous. You it's like pasta. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was just him as an Italian of like, well, this is but how I make m- pasta. It, that might be exactly But if grits, right. you would never refer to grits as creamy or al dente. You probably would. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But either way, he looks at him as if he is bananas. <laughs> and he's just like regular. And then that's when he's like, so it, yeah. I you couldn't you. be like, oh, you know, I, I only need, I, I like him a little I harder. Like a I like him a, like al dente. I like a crunchy grit. Oh, I don't cook my grits. I just gobble them up. <laughs> I just shoot them back. Uh, but I like to eat sand. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, <laughs> Bill and Stan's faith is restored in Vinny. Stan fires the public defender and rehires Vinny, who proceeds to discredit the next two witnesses by questioning their ability to make a positive identification due to obstructions in their sightline and impaired vision. Not just impaired vision, but duty of vision getting more and more, more out, out of whack. whack. Yes, this old, old, old woman with these giant it's Coke so bottle lovely. glasses. I know. She's like, whoa, oh dear. Like, uh, how long you been wearing those things? Like since I was six, and were they always so thick? It's like, oh no, they've gotten worse as I've gotten thicker, older. They have gotten, gotten thicker, thicker. like t- six times, I think she or said, like ten times, yeah. something like that. Yeah, uh, it's so funny. Uh, on the trial's third day, Trotter, the prosecuting attorney, produces a surprise witness, FBI analyst George Wilbur, who testifies that the pattern and chemical analysis of the tire marks left at the crime scene are identical to the tires on Bill's Buick. Holler orders a lunch recess immediately after Wilbur's testimony, and with only the lunch recess to prepare and unable to come up with a strong line of questioning, Vinny lashes out at Mona Lisa, but then realizes that one of her photos that she's taken throughout there with her adorable Alabama, like pink point pink, and click. Ah, uh, it's so good. Uh, and she really, I love that she, he's like, oh, let me, let me see if there's a way that you can help me. Let's, let's go. Oh, look, this dog crap. Oh, that's the key to the case. Oh, oh my God. Here it is. A picture of me in the shower. That's gonna win it. The case cracker. The case me cracker. in the shower. <laughs> there's, one, like, there's one of me from behind and I didn't think I could feel worse than I did right now. Thanks a lot. Uh, but he finds one where the flat and even tire marks going over the curb reveal that Bill's car could not have been used for the getaway. After requesting a records search from the local sheriff, Vinny drags an angry Mona Lisa into court to testify as an For expert one of witness. the best scenes it's ever so filmed. Good. I mean, she's so good throughout this entire film, but like that 
Tour de Force. Just Tour de selling force. the turn too of like, would you please answer the question? No, I hate no, him. I hate him. And then when he's... Do you know this lady? Oh, she's my fiance. Well, that explains, explains the, hostility. the hostility. But like when when he like takes her hand and shoves the photo in it and makes her look at it. And then just like you see all the stuff, all their like silly banter where they really enjoy arguing with one yeah. another for fun. <laughs> like come into play. Does the defense's case hold water no the defense is wrong (laughs) are you sure like it's so funny and it's so character based and it's so everything that's been set like you could lose the scene but it's so good as a setup for this earlier on when it's him being like what's this the sink is dripping you're the last one to use the sink and her being like well it wasn't me her being like yeah of this whole reasoning of like the amount of torque applied to the sink making up like like a well i guess the effing thing is broken then Mm -hmm. uh it's just showing of how how much they love to argue with each other of how it's like a part of their relationship that they both enjoy even though but it's not you know it's not like god this terrible this this we're rooting for this couple who are arguing the whole film it's not like that you see like the love they have for each other uh that really helps sell it more than like actual they're not bickering it's like right oh okay it's it's clearly a game there's no she hasn't applied torque with a wrench you know and she rips something out of a magazine to be like i got this certificate you know (laughs) they're it's it's just a fun thing for them and it's so charming and endears them both to us and then it pays off completely here so well uh so mona lisa testifies that only a car with an independent rear suspension and positive traction could have made the tire marks which Which a 63 buick skylark could (laughs) never be mistaken uh, but one model of car that could with these features is the similar looking metallic mint green 1963 Pontiac Tempest. Vinny recalls Wilbur, who confirms this. He then recalls the local sheriff, who testifies that two men who fit Bill and Stan's descriptions were just arrested in Georgia for driving a stolen green Pontiac Tempest and were in possession of a gun of the same caliber that was used to kill the clerk. Trotter dismisses all charges. The Which I don't know that he could actually do, but... It sure is satisfying cinematically. It is. Well, I mean, like, of what evidence? I think there's just a little more paperwork involved, typically, than some, than just the the DA. Is he even the DA, you know? I mean, it's a small, I think he might, I think he is, actually. Because I think oh. it's a small enough, I, of Beecham County. I think that, sure. that is the. Well, regardless. Because they don't th- get a lot of murder trials. So I feel like that's like, this is going straight to the DA. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But regardless, I think sure. there's probably a little more paperwork. But, oh, it is great. Nope, you get a little a little button uh, that says "I survived Beecham <laughs> County Jail," and uh, you get survived. sent on your merry way. You get a coupon for the diner that serves on its menu: breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's it, and there you go. That's all you got. Thank you, and please come again. Uh, but yeah, so Vinny, the judge congratulates Vinny. We have this whole running gag with your running thread of the judge uh, not like trying to find out who Vinny is, trying to get. Vinny keeps giving he gives the name of like an actual lawyer who wound up being dead just had died like the week before right because he's he's like oh yeah my, of course you're not gonna find a Vincent Gambini because I used to be an actor so I like what was something was it Gallo something yeah, Jerry, 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 Gallo. Jerry Gallo and then later it's like now Jerry Gallo is you're dead is dead it's like oh did you say Gallo with a G Jerry Gallo is dead it's like I, I, I know I'm that. aware I'm Jerry Gallo with the C all Fred Gwynn's reactions 
to should everything. have won him an Oscar as well. <laughs> At least be nominated. He is so, so funny in this film. Uh, and I, I wish it, he'd gotten a little nomination too. Uh, but so the judge congratulates Vinny. And as they drive away, Vinny and Lisa bicker about their wedding plans. The casting director of My Cousin Vinny was David Rubin, a two-time Emmy winner for casting Big Little Lies and the TV movie Game Change, Rubin's first casting director credit is the 1982 comedy Dear Mr. Wonderful starring Joe Pesci. So this was a real a real homecoming to be cast in this Joe Pesci comedy. Uh, and Rubin has also cast such films as The Addams Family, Men in Black, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and the previous episode, Romeo plus Juliet. Hey! So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all a little subjective. And as always, I have looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. So let's kick it off with old Vinny Gambini. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Joe Pesci, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I will say up front, and I heard the way you punched the word had in that last sentence, it is going to be very difficult to pick other people because it feels also like this was written in part on these people, which I'm sure to a certain extent it was, and it really works. Yeah. So this is going to be tricky. <laughs> Joe Pesci is so good, so funny, but like so real. I totally buy this human i don't know i love it i think he just is like note perfect 100 percent. wouldn't change a thing yeah he's so funny and you really you you're getting like that the softness you're getting like the humanity Absolutely. in terms of you see in terms of mona lisa and in terms of he's uh, very vulnerable all his, throughout it of his cousin yeah uh of him like you know these two innocent kids that he's like i i gotta but also he wants to do well this is also like him i mean and i don't think this was mentioned in the synopsis but like his deal with mona lisa is like they're gonna get married after he solves this for after he wins his first case not solves he's not a detective um although i would watch my niece the daughter of my sister is getting married (laughs) and here i am my biological clock yeah uh, yeah, so, so like th- he's very vulnerable all the way through, and yeah, it's so funny. It's just great. It is a tremendous performance. I didn't have a lot of thoughts. Like the sure, one person fine. that like really came to mind, mm-hmm. and this would be very different. But I was like, who's like a fast talking mm. kind of guy that I could see sort of doing this? Um, and this would not necessarily be from an Italian American perspective, but would be John Leguizamo, someone oh, yeah. very high energy. Yeah. Um, charming uh i who who i feel like i could believe in a courtroom and also as being like what am i doing here which really i mean the movie is that it's a city slicker yes coming in to absolutely alabama town so there's nothing that it doesn't need to be an italian american no that's just clearly how they shaped it you know it it just works in terms of having an otherness to your your protagonist and your setting absolutely uh, I think that'd be great. I would love that, that version of the film with John Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, I could see, like, for the time, I mean, Joe Pesci is just so so perfect, but, like, I could see, like, a John Turturro, I think. It's very oh, different. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, but I can see him coming in, being the with, with the energy of, like, I am kind of BSing my way through sure. as I figure it out. And if this was made years later, if this was made a decade later, so 2002, I, a James Gandolfini as my cousin Vinny mm-hmm. would be delightful. Or I could see a Joe Pantoliano. Never really had a lot oh, of lead yeah. roles, but he's, I mean, I'm doing this. I'm watching The Sopranos for the first time where he plays Ralph in season three and four. Uh, and he has a very similar, like, 
little guy energy where he like no one's respecting him or giving him the time of day and he's always like the little dog that is like trying to like get the respect uh that he thinks he deserves uh, so I think any of those could work. But yeah, I mean, Joe Pesci, it's so good. It's so good. And a lot of these little moments in the film that are wouldn't have happened if not for it being Joe Pesci because they were either improvisatory, uh, like when he accidentally knocks over all the judges' chess pieces. Oh, that was an accident. So Jonathan Lynn was... just left that in. Uh, and this the great the two Utes was not in the script. That was because Jonathan Lynn, the director, is British. And he had a very difficult time understanding Joe Pesci <laughs> all in the beginning. And that was like them talking was Jonathan Lynn being like, like, whoa, 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 what, what's, what's that? What did you say? It's like, you're the two youths. And he thought it was so funny. He was like, oh, I'm going to add this to the script. Incredible. <laughs> of, of like, uh, what did you say there? The two, the two youths, the two, what, the two, what is the it? two, ho, ho, what? <laughs> like, what? It's like, what? what? <laughs> so right off the bat, the screenwriter wanted Robert De Niro. But the president of Fox said De Niro wasn't funny and his movies don't make money because this was like he'd had a few sure. flops, I guess, at that point. I feel like this was like right after Cape or I feel like Cape Fear probably came out like when this movie was filming. Uh, he hadn't had his uh, comedic turn and that he did in the late 90s. Yes, he didn't have like analyze this and then meet the parents were kind of like the two yeah. big things were like, oh, these are making a lot of money and are trading, which which make work well because you're. Robert De Niro is still like an intense figure in both of those films yes. against your actual protagonist, Billy Crystal and Ben Stiller. Um, but I think De Niro, I could totally see that. I mean, I, I like that it's Joe Pesci because there's just a certain, I don't know, because he's do a character think he has actor. More, he also know? has more comedic skill, I do think. Oh, like, I agree. De Niro can be funny, but Joe Pesci is someone who is very deft with like knowing how to land something funny. I 100% agree. I mean, I do think, honestly, that <laughs> that really was unfortunate for the world that De Niro did meet the parents and just decided, oh, I'm just going to do this. This is so much less stress on me mm -hmm. to just do dumb BS comedy where I could just show up and glower at someone. Uh, that's so much easier. Why bother putting an effort in for a dramatic role? Which, you know, he put in, I, he, like, those, he those 70s and 80s performances, and certain, and some in the 90s. I mean, he he's incredible in Cape Fear. He's absolutely terrifying in Cape Fear. But, like, his stuff in the 70s and 80s is absolutely bananas of how good Robert De Niro was. It's true. And occasionally can be. He is, even though I just wanted to take a hearty nap throughout it. It took me, like, five tries to get through all of the Irishmen, but uh, I, fi I finally finished it. You made it, it was to like the a other side. I technically did. And he is great. He is great in that. And he's still great in things. But it's just like he doesn't. It's like I can. I just want to show up in Joker and work for three days and get out of here. I you know, don't care. Priorities change as you, yeah. you know, and stop yeah. playing Travis Bickle when you're like, you know, very fresh and young. And you're in your 20s. You can handle very that. Different. And you're like, very you know different. I already played Travis Bickle. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. Right. And I do want my life to be a little easier. I, I absolutely get that. Definitely. You know, there's things I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to do that to my body anymore. Thanks. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I do like this option. Danny DeVito was considered. That's good, too. I did think about him. Um, I do think that's very fun. I think we're getting, I mean, we've discussed it before. I mean, it feels like that the two of them were up for many similar roles, which makes sense. Both Italian-American actors totally. with uh, of a certain stature that it does add to the, I mean, you know, you don't, you don't accidentally cast Joe Pesci against Fred Gwynn, who 
no, the, the height oh, disparity is next level. Uh, but Danny DeVito in 1992, instead of doing My Cousin Vinny, had Hoffa, which he directed and co-starred in with Jack Nicholson as Hoffa, and Batman Returns as the Penguin, oh, which he is a great iconic. he is a great penguin. He's disgusting in it. He looks uh, like a nightmare, and but he's gobbling the point. He's a villain. fish innards and biting guys' noses off. It's a real golem situation. That's also the, the fact that My Cousin Vinny is R and Batman Returns, probably PG-13, he is biting off a guy's nose in that film in a truly terrifying, disgusting manner. Well, Americans have different priorities as to what is actually disturbing to the populace, and it's mainly around swearing and very little to do with violence and sex. Yeah, it's, well, I guess actually well. sex yeah, is what it's, actually Violence is fine. You could mow down one bajillion men uh, as long as we don't see a breast and as long, let alone a penis. God forbid, God here's forbid. your NC-17, uh, or hear the F word. Uh, it's very, very true. It's so <laughs> that might might as well in Batman Returns have have the Penguin being like "f you, Batman." <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently, in this Zack Snyder Justice League, they're dropping the f bomb. Where I, I don't, I, they might be saying "f you, Batman," and then I don't know, I don't know. I'll never, listener, I'll never know. Well, there's no way to know. There's no way if you don't I do watch not have it, the four hours to watch this film. Uh, also considered, Andrew Dice Clay was reportedly considered. Uh, who do you know Andrew Dice Clay? I know the name, in, but nothing in, about fam- it. famous, very very like blue comic. Um, of re- recently, he was Lady Gaga's dad in A Star Is Born. If you remember him at all, well, no, because you had it on and I watched parts of it. I, I would see. look up at times. No worries. He's mainly a comedian. Is very like you know. Very, just a very dirty blue comedian. He was a lot of like hickory dickory dock. The mouse ran up the clock. And now I'm going to say something that rhymes with clock. What could it be? What, what could, it could it be? be? So in his 2014 autobiography, The Filthy Truth, Andrew Dice Clay wrote that the film was developed as a starring vehicle for him at Fox. So this is a bit apocryphal because no one else said this was developed for him. Mm. Uh, but after the failure of his starring vehicle from 1990 the adventures of ford fairlane the studio severed ties with clay uh so that's him saying that he lost that on the role of Vinny that was meant for him and he he says anytime it's on i say to my kids isn't it amazing that i was supposed to do that movie if and if i wasn't going to do it to have joe pesci play the role was incredible i don't get mad at that stuff that's show business so at least it's like right. not like yeah i got pushed out and you know that is that is show business in, in, in its like about it. mildest sense of like sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't yeah I mean, if you're gonna have box office bombs a few in a row it, it can be hard to like come back yeah. from that even just one even just one of the amount of yeah times what's that, that are like, you're only oh, as he, good as your last movie only as good as your last movie yeah which is so ridiculous I looking know. back you know with 30 years later to to look back on my cousin almost 30 years to look back on my cousin Vinny, and it's like what do, what do you talking about like de niro de niro de, oh, de niro's movies don't make money robert de niro his movies don't make money well it's it's also just like you look at like that box office poison thing that came out in in i want to say like what like 1940 or something and Catherine hepburn and joan crawford but all these people all these actresses that were listed as box <gasps> office poison oh whoa and then so many of them like went on to be like you're wrong you know but it's it's horrifying and then it's like oh and then people like have an idea about you Mm. it's like oh you can't center a film you can't carry a film people won't come to see you and it's like 
maybe they will if it's good. If the writing is bad, maybe the writing is the box office poison. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, we also, oh, that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Vinny. One, he's not. And Amy Joe is to guess, which is which. Who could it be? Your options are John Lovitz. Oh. Jim Belushi. Oh. And Sylvester Stallone. Interesting. You know, I looked up a list of Italian American actors to look and see like who might, and so many of them were people like, like Sly Stallone that I was like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) who was the first one? John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Jim Belushi and Sylvester Stallone. I don't know. I'll say John Lovitz. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. I mean, it stands to reason that, I mean, he's the right energy for it. So, I but, guess I don't think so. I, well, I think as it's far a as very just, uh, no, 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 no. As energy. far as like thinking someone who has a lot of like, hey, 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 how's it going? Hey, 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 kind of energy. <laughs> Not a laid back, laconic performer, you know, um, someone to contrast with like a Fred Gwynn. He has a very East Coast energy. Let's say that, which is. I think he's bringing, you're like, yeah, this guy took six times to pass the bar. That's true, true too. (laughs) Which is not against John Lovitz, just that it's, I I did very quickly, I used to work for a a theater company, one of the not-for-profit theater companies here in New York, um, and I found there was a reading that John Lovitz was in of a play that they were considering developing. They were like, okay, maybe we'll do this play next season. So we're like, we're going to do a reading of it. We're getting some, getting some actors in when we're getting John Lovitz as one of the actors. And like, it doesn't mean that these actors will be a part of the production, but they're here for this reading just to help elevate it. And right. if it's going well and they're interested, maybe they'll want to do a production. And he got let go in the intermission between <gasps> the two acts during this reading. And oh, John Marie. Lovitz, John Lovitz is someone who's been very good in things. Uh, but that I've never forgotten. I was like, how do you? you like who they're just like you can go home like who who took over for him like they were just like someone the whatever the writer the writer the writer is going to come in and just or the read, writer read f- i definitely did do a, the second act. a reading of a musical that on the day of the reading there was like a mild snowstorm and the guy playing the lead whose name i shan't mention uh-huh. um but he was like oh i can't get into the city even though the entire rest of the cast and company was able to make it to the space. He had been a little, not difficult. He's not a difficult person, but he's just, you know, he hadn't been like really nailing it throughout the rehearsal process. And then he just like didn't show up on the day. So the writer stood in for him on the day off. And, and the, I remember the composer being like, honestly, it's for the better. Like, we're going to hear it better. Like, you're going to read it better. And I was like, well, yeah, he did write it, so he knows how the joke should land better than this guy. But we were all like, every single other person is here. And on the day of the... He, like, wrote in to reply all of an email, like, I'd really suggest you all reconsider scheduling this reading for another day. We're like, that's not possible for, like, eight reasons, one of which being the writers have to go back to California tomorrow. Oh, the theater. The theater. But now that we know John Lovitz was actually considered, who was not John... Sylvester Stallone. That is correct. That makes sense. As far as I could tell, was not considered for It would be a terrible choice. It certainly would... But I can see I it. I wouldn't put it past Hollywood, Mr. Hollywood. If I learned that there was a, th- I mean, because there's so many movies that I am just unaware of their existence, you know, when you come across, mm-hmm. you're like, wait, what is this film? I hadn't even mentioned that 
1992, instead of doing My Cousin Vinny, Robert De Niro had two films, uh, Mistress, which is this comedy drama about in, set in the film industry where it's just like this guy trying to get a movie made, but oh, you're going to have to cast everyone's mistress in this film as well. Uh, and then some movie with Jessica Lange called Night in the City where he's playing an incompetent lawyer who has to, like, becomes... Oh obsessed on becoming a boxing promoter never heard of these films so if like stallone was in this film i would not be surprised if it was like oh yeah you oh you never heard of my cousin Vinny? it was this 90s comedy with sylvester stallone that was terrible right but i could see it i could see it snuggled in there next to stop or my mom will shoot and Uh, uh oscar uh and whatever other stallone 90s comedies we had i saw that in theaters I haven't thought of that movie wow, probably since the 90s. Theaters? I went with my aunt Sissy. Amazing, amazing. But so Stallone, not up for Vinny, but Jim Belushi and John Lovitz were. Jim Belushi. That makes sense. They, went, they were like, yeah. we know we want a comedian. Belushi makes sense because he's got that more, yeah, that braggadocio like that you, mm. you kind of need a little of. I will say, however, having seen him on Broadway in Born Yesterday, the man can't do an East Coast accent to save his life. He's Maybe very in the early 90s, he would have tried harder. But I tell you what he didn't do you'd was ha- try at all. Well, you could just you'd have to just frame it as that he's coming from Chicago. You'd instead. have to. The number of times that Harry Brock in Born Yesterday says he's from Plainfield, New Jersey, <laughs> and Jim Belushi says it with a Chicago area accent that could like like with a deep dish pizza sliding out of exactly his mouth. Exactly right. Like it just <laughs> falls right out of his mouth. It's, and everyone else on stage is like, you know, to a varying degree of success, I tried. And he did not. <laughs> um, but so Belushi said that he turned it down and regretted it. Instead, in 1992, he had this erotic thriller, Traces of Red with Lorraine Bracco, and which hilariously opens where he's just like, <laughs> it opens on his like dead body. And it's him in narrating as if they're Sunset Boulevard. I was about to say, he, what, it opens at him and he's like, yep, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I died. wondering how I got here. <laughs> exactly. And he had that, Oh, no, sorry. Chicago. So I'm like, you're, you're probably, probably wondering, you're wondering how, wondering how I, got I got here. Uh, that end, this movie, Once Upon a Crime, which was directed by Eugene Levy. which i did not know that we were graced with eugene levy directed projects unfortunately it did not look uh good and john lovitz 1992 had a league of their own excellent and mom and dad save the world starring jeffrey jones and terry gar so you are making fewer residuals on a movie with jeffrey jones getting top billing are you (laughs) interesting uh but yeah i mean joe pesh He's brief. Uh, so I, I, brief. I could see I could see Belushi. I could see Belushi doing it, but uh, I'm so glad that we got Pesci. Um, but let's move on to Judge Chamberlain Holler. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Fred Gwynn and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? What a perfect performance. The voice, the face basically made out of Play-Doh. Perfectly calibrated, like a melting wax sculpture. Yes, but like him, like being able to move it in such a way that you're like, yeah, are you like a claymation? This is a performance that could it could exist if this was a silent film, and that could exist if this was an audio play. This is the mark of a great performance. That either way, if you were only listening to it, or if you were only looking at it, you would get the whole story, and you would also be laughing just as hard either way because his like all of his voice choices. Everything he's saying, hilarious. So would I. But just looking at him, his like reactionary shots are some of the biggest laughs I had watching yes. this. Yes. But yes, you're so right. It's the way he's like, Mr. 
trotter. Like the way he says that when he's like, oh, you've really gotten your comeuppance, haven't you, Mr. Trotter? Um, but then like, yeah, all of his takes, every facial expression. And yet, especially in those scenes, which the two of them in his chambers, you completely take him seriously. Absolutely. This, like you were saying earlier, this guy is not a joke. This guy is a very serious judge who knows what he's talking about, not a buffoon in any way. But outside of him saying no, when when Joe Pesci is like, oh, this is a surprise witness. Like, can, I'm, yes. I demand that we get time to. And he like rattles off, which is like clearly what he's learned from Overnight. actually reading yes. the law books. And the judge is just like, that was an articulate, lucid, ar- lucid argument. No. That, that's overruled. the only overruled. But that's the one time that you're like, oh, you're that also now of your vendetta. But you kind of get it because also like Joe Pesci has just been the worst. You, the if you're film. watching this movie from the judge's perspective, this guy this guy? This guy? Yeah. Are you mocking me with that outfit? Are you on drugs? <laughs> mocking you? No, Judge. No. Um. <laughs> anyway, he's fantastic. It's a beautiful performance. He died shortly after this movie came out. This was his out. last feature film. I, You know, while I wish we'd gotten a lot more of him, I feel like if you're going to go out, let it be on an indelible performance like yeah, this. That's what you, you know? want. That's it's, what you want. Yeah, exactly. Where you're like, that is what a beautiful way to remember this performer and everything he did well. Yeah. Like getting getting to see on screen everything that this actor was so excellent yeah. at. Did you, know? did you watch The Monsters at all I've, growing I've up? I've watched like some episodes. Oh, but I, it, I watched so much well, on think, TV Land. See, we're four years apart. Mm-hmm. And, and TV Land, Nick at Night, did like alter their, um like what oh. they would play, you know? Oh, okay. So it, like I watched a ton of the Dick Van Dyke show. I watched a ton of like Happy Days. I watched a lot of Happy Lucy. Days. Yeah, I was watching Happy Days, I Love Lucy. I was watching a ton of Bewitched and Bewitched, I Dream, I Dream of, of Genie. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I think there is some adjustment to the programming in between when I would have stopped watching and you would have still been watching. I don't even remember it actually being on TV land. I forget like where it would have been mm. screening, but I was like a sitcom and they're monsters. Um, I'm a little boy and you. this is the best. <laughs> this is what I want. I didn't know I could have a sitcom with a bunch of terrifying like, little monster men running around. Did you like the TV show Dinosaurs? I love dinosaurs. Okay, yes. I mean, I watched a lot of that because I was a child in the 90s and also had a younger brother. So we watched a lot of that. But that's unsurprising. Um, anyway, he's great. He's great <laughs> as a point. I watched some monsters, not a lot, but, you know. Sure. I was, just in terms of what else you would have known of Fred course. Gwynn from. Because it's really, for me, it was like mon- monsters and then and this. And yes. then not until much later. I think college I saw... Uh, Pet Cemetery, the, the original, was also his like I one of his have first. Not, nor will I ever watch. <laughs> or or that one of his movie. one of his uh, last big roles, of yeah. course, of course, of course. But it's, another iconic. But not for me. That using that great bass voice. Of, oh, course, yeah. you, of course, you want to use that for a horror film. Who's like sometimes oh, yeah. dead is better. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, um, it's great. I feel like if this were made today, I, I, there's so many people who I would like think would be like fun in this but i'm mm-hmm. like just get me morgan freeman and call that, it a day that is who i've got on are my you just it's the well, only person morgan on my list <laughs> because i was like who what are some other actors from alabama and i could i i is he from alabama he's not he's from tennessee okay you've you've still got like yeah there, there is a different that southern his cadence southern is more um i don't want to say laid back because that's not exactly what i mean but there's like a front footed kind of like a a a a a that is like that more Brooklyn type energy as opposed to like sitting back a bit more and speaking at a tempo 
that you tend to see in most Morgan Freeman performances that like to me feels like more what I identify with the South. Mm, I think it'd be great. Yeah. I was like Morgan Freeman or Tommy Lee Jones. That is the stentorian. Oh, that's really good. Severe, a rule follower. Yeah. The one that you are like, I don't want to be crossing this person where it's like so much of the humor is because of their, that they are the hard place. Mm-hmm. That you're between this rock mm-hmm. and the hard place. They are the immovable, the immovable object. object that no matter that Joe Pesci's having a trying to, it is trying to like go over, under, around and through. And this is just a block, a granite wall of a human being. Yes. He is like carved out of stone. And Tommy Lee Jones, I feel like is the successor of that where it's mm-hmm. like he maybe cracked a smile as a child, but not <laughs> since then. Uh, <laughs> I feel like he was a serious little boy in Texas. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, so despite their characters clashing in this film, Joe Pesci and Fred Gwynn were actually good friends in real life until Gwynn's passing in 1993, um, which I love the idea. Like, I, I could, I would love if they were like Joe Pesci being like, Fred, we gotta, we gotta bring back the Munsters. I could be, you know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be grandpa. I'm gonna be the vampire. I'm gonna be grand, <laughs> gr- the grandpire. <laughs> and you can come back as Herman Munster. Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I remember when those, um, the the dvds the special feature dvds of the lord of the rings movies were coming out and i of mm-hmm. course was buying them obsessively Sheena. and like they got like eight commentary tracks but i would of course mainly well, yeah some one from peter jackson like one from the screenwriter one from like the actors and randomly one from joe pesci it was very peculiar it, they had the joe what? pesci like, lord of the rings commentary which now that i've this. joked about this i actually want give it to me <laughs> um but no like they had two different like actor commentaries there's and and they also like had them all do commentaries and then splice them together like someone mm. edited it because there's too many actors to like they're not going to have like all those different commentaries but um just watching those i was like in college and just being like oh right actors are fun and like <sighs> each other and being around each oh, other and course. doing stupid bits so it's like but that kind of like camaraderie that i felt as like a very young pre-professional mm. feeling like oh won't that be fun to forge professional relationships with people that i like and and my profession is partially just doing silly bits with people <laughs> and it's like thinking about to those two people on set together it's like yeah that yeah. brings me complete joy they've got great chemistry with each other so it makes sense that they either really didn't get along or, or that they really yeah. got along which would be great but yeah just i, I want this eighth commentary of joe pesci you know a lord of the rings being and like, this guy th- i hear he this had guy, to wear like they a get, suit they get this guy as bilbo i could have been bilbo this what, friggin', just because just he's friggin'. british what <laughs> he's some prestigious british actor uh apparently also he was like i, I think he was born in like 19 19- 43 i want to say joe pesci which makes him almost 50 at the time that this movie is filmed he's like 48 or something that sounds right which is wild to think that he's like what almost 80 oh now yeah that's wild to me he's just like so wiry and like not wiry but just like a live wire that i'm like i don't know i can't tell if you're like i wouldn't guess he was 25 but i'm like are you a hard living 30 yeah. Or are you like, you know, 50? And which like, which it, it, works well in the film. You know, you could have someone younger. Which, Mo- which if Marissa they have, like, Tomei is much she younger. She sure is. But if you have like a John Turturro who is much yes. younger, but you're just like, oh, yeah, that you are. It took you six tries and you're still like early on trying to figure things out. Opposed to like you're like 50 and you just haven't Hit really on yet. figured it out as a lawyer. Like you've been, as he said, you know, working at your father to Marissa Tomei is like working at your father's like auto Gosh. shop and taking night classes. Like I don't have time. I don't have time to be practicing, you know, going to trial and mm-hmm. taking on cases. Um, but so one other actor that was up for the judge, Christopher Lloyd, 
I see it. I think we get a lot more mileage out of Fred Gwynn. Agreed. I, I don't know where Christopher Lloyd is originally from, but like this kind of like, I mean, I mean, you, it is the molasses is dripping out of Fred Gwynn's mouth. It's you like Southern Hear the barbecue sauce dripping down his chin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we have all these food metaphors. This, this, it just, it's this what episode, makes but, sense. Uh, it makes, it just makes sense. Um, but I'm so glad that that's what we got. But Christopher Lloyd, I love Christopher Lloyd. We've, and he's very funny. We've talked about him so much on on this podcast. He's a, he's an absolute delight. He's one of our finest comedic actors. Correct. Um, so he'd also been great, but uh, I'm glad we got Fred Gwynn. Yeah. But let's move on to Stan. So this is the friend who is kind of used as uh like the the nerve the nervous Ned energy for to Ralph Macchio, the one that wants to hire uh Austin, who wants to fire Vinny. Um and this is uh Mitchell Whitfield. So Amy Joe, your thoughts on Mitchell Whitfield and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I am always happy to see this actor pop up and stuff. Is this because he's in Sergeant Bilko? Look, that was maybe <laughs> another film I saw in theaters and my family has watched a lot. I looked him up and I was like, I assume he looks like this in Sergeant Bilko. Yes, but he I was does. wondering if you were just like, wait, this is that guy from no, Sergeant Bilko. This is the I am Mickey Zimmerman well from Sergeant Bilko. Aware. He just has a couple stupid bits, just a couple stupid lines, but he just delivers them with it. He's just very funny. Yeah. Listener, if you have not watched Sergeant Bilko, you might also know him. He's Barry from Friends. He was like the one that the Mm -hmm. show when the show starts is one that Rachel like left at the altar. Uh, And now he's known for a ton of voiceover. Yeah, I I looked him up, um, you know, when I was preparing my little preparation. I do. I do a little. Um, and I was like, oh, good for you. You've just been like doing so much VO and like uh, it's it looks like he's been very busy doing. Oh, that. yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think he's great. He's he, I think he's very funny. Um, and I think a thing that the film doesn't really talk about. And it's interesting because it's the early 90s. Right. So it's like we're maybe more comfortable addressing it obliquely in in this way than than it would be addressed if we were making this movie today. But we're going to the deep south. Um, where although we have very few black actors with more than a few lines, we're at least representing the fact that there are a lot of African-American people who live in Alabama, you know? Um, but we have these Italian Americans and this guy who they never like talk about the fact that he's Jewish, but like, I think that's very, it's pretty, you know, they they refer to his last name. They say Stein. He's she's like steam, steam, Stein. It's, it's pretty. Exactly. But I think they're trying to make a point without like belaboring it too hard about like, because they're also not trying to say like, Oh, Alabama, they're prejudiced against us. No, but I have have Jewish Jewish friends who like, I remember going to college and like one of my friends who's, who's Jewish was like, I would never want to go to Texas. I'm like, I don't think it's that bad. But like now, of course, like years later, I'm like, well, but then I haven't walked around Texas as a Jewish person. So what do I know about that really? But Mm. like, you know, it's also like the ideas that they're bringing with them um, as to like how they're going to, you know, you, you look at history and, and you know, it has not been kind to many types of folk in, in uh, various places where you are, the minority, but I, I think it does an interesting job of like, again, what we maybe were thinking in the nineties, we were ready to tackle when maybe we weren't really ready to track tackle some of the deeper issues. But anyway, I think he's great. I think he's funny. And I'm again, like I said, always happy to see him pop up in something. Um, I don't have a ton of options, but I have a few more. My first thought is someone who is 
very well known on stage who if they if we were doing like a stage adaptation of my cousin Vinny, I would be like, get me Brandon Uranowitz. Get me mm. Brandon Uranowitz yesterday. Three time Tony nominee. Mm-hmm. Um and he I know he's done like guest spots on like Maisel and like a bunch of stuff. He's been in a bunch of TV shows as like a, a guest actor, but he hasn't like really broken through in a, a film and TV kind of way. But he's incredibly talented yet. yet. And he's so funny. Yes. Like so funny and so like so much like heart and depth. Um and so like he he was my first choice of like, oh yes, I would a hundred percent like Brandon yeah, would, I could would totally see murder that. this part. But I was like, I don't know. And um uh, around that time, maybe like a young David Schwimmer, you know. I had David Schwimmer. That's I was so like, funny. yeah, that's yes, it's the right kind of like neurotic yep. kind yep. of energy and and that uh uh high strung more contemporary this is still like not if this were made today but a little more contemporary like uh jesse eisenberg uh maybe michael mm, Sarah, mm-hmm. someone who like yeah. does good like uh nervous sidekick energy basically who are also like actors who know how to land a punchline yeah um and yeah i think he he um has a really he strikes a really fun note in this. Like he has a different energy than anybody else in the movie. And, and it, it's yeah. a really it's what good you, it's foil. What you need. It's a great foil. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking also young Ben Stiller. I feel like you're getting mm. like a similar ish mm. energy or I'm like, what about like an Alfonso Ribeiro, a little Carlton from Fresh Prince. I think oh, that, that oh. is what it's oh, the I same. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous and uncomfortable with the situation that we've gotten ourselves you into. You know what? I, I really love that. That could be really. And of course, as this was made later, closer to today, he's made an art form out of this. William Jackson Harper. We recommend him yes. so much, but it is like he really has the mono- to me the monopoly on like I'm getting a stomach ache because of how anxious I am. Yes. Yes. Um, now the one other actor who was up for Stan, Will Smith. That's fascinating because this would, man, he would have been a baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was uh, 92. So they were, I think, like in the second season of Fresh Prince. Oh, okay. Well, wow. My timeline because I watched everything in <laughs> It started in 1990. Wow. It did. So he would have, like, if he were to have been cast, he would have, like, just finished. I, th- I think, like, the first season would have aired. And he would have been in the middle of like shooting season it's two. It's been really fun on him, I think. Yes, which is very, it, it's exactly energetically is still what you need, even though it's so different. Yes, it presents it's like, very differently. I think but you, if you had Alfonso Ribeiro, you would have a very similar like energies mm-hmm. you're getting from uh, Mitchell Whitfield. But if totally. you've got Will Smith, it's still, it, it's a will, it's that Will Smith energy, but it's still like the Will Smith like. Ralph Macho, maybe you are not fully aware of the situation we're but in, but like I, I know, it. like I ain't gonna I die. I have no delusions. No, no. Um, but yeah, so this was still though so early in his career because it was really just Fresh Prince. Because um, then in 1992, he had this movie Where the Day Takes You. That was like this mm-hmm. en- ensemble drama that I, I don't know how big of a part he had in it. And then the next year, 93, he had Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, right. And this uh, Made in America this, with Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson. And then Bad Boys in 95. Bad Boys is like what was like, oh, okay, you're you're just going to be a superstar is yeah. like your place. As you they were trying to figure launched. out where exactly, what, where exactly is your place in Hollywood? Because we know you're a star, but we don't know. I'm at the top. What exactly in what direction. Right. But if it was like six degrees, if it was like, no, 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 I'm just going to do all of these like Oscar-y type dramas. Yes. He could have been trying to do that. And then, you know, because he's. Will Smith, incredible in stuff like Ali and Pursuit of Happiness, which I think are his two 
Oscar nominated performances. Um, I've not seen Six Degrees of Separation. Uh, I just know it's, you know, I've only read the the play. play. Um, But yes, I Mm. love that Will Smith was up for this role. Although part of it is like, I feel like he's so charismatic that it's like weird to imagine him in that role alongside Ralph, just sitting alongside Ralph Macchio. It's like my eye is just going to be drawn to Will Smith. And I'm like, what a, the thing too is like Ralph Macchio. I think it's hard for us to think about this now, but he was like such a huge heartthrob star in the eighties, you know? So like people who are watching it in the early nineties are bringing all of that to bear on it in a way that we are doing less of now those of us that didn't grow up with like his poster on our walls. Or well, now we have know? him looking almost exactly the same in Cobra Kai. <laughs> Does he really? It's bananas that he is like in his now. Now he's probably whatever as old as Joe Pesci was in my cousin Vinny, which also like the age difference between these cousins. Okay. It should well, be cousins, my uncle Vinny. I, I know. You know you can, I cousins know. can be whatever I, age. They sure can, but it is still a large gap between I think it's also meant to imply like he's Italian American the Catholic there's big families you know he's maybe like he doesn't know him that well to know that he has like not been practicing law in a particular way you know this is true this is true yeah yeah the relationship makes more sense than uncle if they've only met a handful of times they see each other all the time but at like family gatherings they're not like hanging out one-on-one and being like how's your career going he just seems so surprised by the news that is like we do we got we got a lawyer in the family right, yeah like, oh Vinny, it, it's it's just like Vinny is a lawyer i think it needs to be yeah Vinny working like at the auto shop the family's Vinny? big enough there's like yeah. a lot of people that, that roll around sense. as someone who comes from a big family where both my parents have this, i was very overwhelmed so many siblings marrying into <laughs> your irish catholic family where i was like i can't keep track of all these people there is people with the same name on different sides of the family. And I'm like, wait, who are you talking about? Oh, yes, that, that person. <laughs> I come from a much smaller family where I'm like, it's easier to keep track of people. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but let's move on to Mona Lisa Vito. And our reason for doing this film for Oscars Month. Amy, share your thoughts on Academy Award winner Marissa Tomei. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's perfect. Incredible. She is, it, it's brilliant. It's so good. And I saw her, I was going to say last year. Oh no, time, you tricky minx. I saw her in late 2019 in the Rose Tattoo on Broadway. And, you know, I've seen her in a few movies, not just this one. And a lot of times in movie stars, they come to Broadway. You're like, what are you doing? You're terrible. She was so good. So electrifying. And you're like, you're, you're. Like filling this house with a major Tennessee Williams role. You're so funny. You're so sexy. You're heartbreaking. How do you do it? And um, it really like just reaffirmed my faith in like, yeah, no, she's a tremendous actor. Oh, tremendous. She's so, good. so she's so good. I think she's so great. She's so funny. She looks great. Like she's costumed to the gods, but it's like a great collaboration between the costume designer and her. The costumes, which are outlandish, never wearing her. I mean, she the always one in the like biological clock is taking scene where it the, does. It absolutely suit. looks like it looks like a design challenge and a modeling like yes. either in drag race or some modeling show where it's like, okay, you've got your grandmother's couch. You have to make a fashion couture. Out when of we this. were watching this and you were talking about like, oh, this looks like, yeah, grandmother's couch challenge. I was like. Oh yeah, why do so many drag race they wouldn't look this good in this? Like you gotta you gotta tailor it. You gotta tailor it. Um, man, she's tremendous. Um, so I felt like there were actually a lot of people who would be fun in this, but I'm not 
I'm not trying to cast anybody who can touch it, you know, because it's just like it's its own beautiful thing. My initial thoughts as far as like if we're going like to lean into the like Italian-American thing, um, these are more contemporary. And I don't think this person is nearly as funny, but I could see she I think would be in contention for it if they were remaking this movie today. And that's Lady Gaga. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. the attitude, the region, all of yeah. that is right. I, hear, you know? I get that. Um, and I, look, I think Lady Gaga's great. Like, I think she's, she's really good at a lot of different I things. I mean, considering how small the number is of her acting performances. Yes. I think she was fantastic in A Star is Born. I did not see her in American Horror Story, but she won a golden yeah. globe for that she's so incredibly I charismatic she really i mean yeah she's got she, i mean she's got the star power and she and was that training translate. for the theater before she left to go be a pop star you she's know. gonna be in this new movie with adam driver that's right and if you got adam driver is an incredible actor so yes. if you're holding your own against adam driver you know i i she was good enough in stars born i i think she'd be great i think she'd be great yeah. she's made today lady gaga is mona lisa totally. would love. another person who i think would be able to handle like the height of the comedy is Kristen miliotti Mm. she's mm-hmm. so funny um she's on how i met your mother she and, was the, the titular mother in, she was the titular mother last season won a tony wolf for of, once well, tony for once wolf of wall street yeah. uh yeah she's Kristen malati and palm springs now of course uh ah, it was like the, the biggest recent thing so good. so good so funny such a particular creature which is one of the things that just because marissa tomei like looks the way she looks you're not really taking into account. It's like, this is like a, a creature who is like. Which works so well because, of course, all these people like will underestimate her. Like at yes. the end to be like, I'm sorry, this person is an expert on automobiles. And like, what is your profession? I'm an out of work hairdresser. And like, what makes you. How does that qualify, how, qualify you? you? It doesn't. It doesn't. I can go now. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. You're right. <laughs> She's so funny. Um. So then to that end, someone else, this is another primarily theater person who has done more film and TV more recently. That That is so funny. Might be great as Nina Arianda. Yes. Tony winner for Venus and Fur in The Born Yesterday with Jim She was Belushi. Tony nominated uh, or t- yes, for Tony, Born oh, Tony, Yesterday. Tony nominated for that, right. Uh, she was Tony nominated for that and then won the next year for Venus and Fur. Yeah, she's in, I mean, she's been in random things. She's in things. Midnight in Paris. I think she's been on some TV yes, show for a while. she's in that Goliath show with Billy Bob Thornton. Whoever watched that, that ran for like Someone three seasons. Did. I think somebody watched it. I was just like, anyway, remember that existed. so funny. I can see that. Very yeah. gifted comedian. I, I like Again, like I kept thinking about this as like a stage production because it was almost the only way i could let myself think of different casting options um another option and this is more if it were made today no this is definitely if it were made today i'm like get me like Issa ray someone who's very gifted comedically i think would be very funny um and obviously like we wouldn't be doing like an italian american take on it but like i think if we were doing this today kind of want to shift it you know um yeah uh and then this is to throw it Way, way, way back to not today, great, not great, the 80s. Love it. We're talking v- 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 vintage. Mary Pickford as Mona Lisa. Not Peter. quite, but pretty close. I was like, well, you know who's great at like just high comedy in an accent is Gene Hagen, most notably known as Lena Lamont from Singing in the Rain. Yeah. And I can't stand him. Uh. Yeah. She's so funny. I That'd wish we had more Gene Hagen perform. I mean, we do have more than just singing in the rain, but I wish we but had that is the many, many, many Gene Hagen one. performances. I'm like, get me that. I'd watch the crap out of that. that. That's great. I love that. Yeah. If it is like what you want is that your first impression is the equivalent of like not necessarily dumb blonde but is that like you're writing this person yeah. off a trophy yes, uh someone trophy who's just girlfriend. like hot Absolutely. with no brains 
Um, and then it's like, oh, no, they are so smart. So I'm like, if this was made today, and yeah, don't, it, they don't need to be Italian-American. Yeah, t- Tiffany Haddish. It's also, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to want to recommend her for everything because she's so ridiculously funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but also such a smart person. Yeah. And I'm like, that, that'd be great. If you are sticking to like wanting like the Italian-American of the time, I'm like the other, the other woman in the 90s that won an Oscar for a comedic performance Mira Sorvino I thought about her as well yeah Mighty Aphrodite Mighty Aphrodite uh, I could see Linda Cardellini I think would be really good mm-hmm. uh, if this is made a little later a Brittany Murphy oh just yes. thinking of how oh good she, she leans into so that accent like in Clueless um, they look similarly I'd never really yeah. thought about that yeah or you know because I'm also watching The Sopranos get me a Drea De Matteo that also that I seems like love Drea De Matteo like I've only watched the first like five seasons or so of The Sopranos and I watched it a million years <laughs> only ago the first five of the six seasons you, you did since you I didn't, didn't finish since it since you didn't watch the last season I don't think we can take your word I feel for like this. it doesn't quite count um but <laughs> regardless look I'm a completionist I've only watched the first five seasons. maybe it was four I think you've watched enough of to regardless, have an educated have an opinion, opinion about Drea De Matteo <laughs> I remember at the time being like so obsessed with her and Michael Imperioli I was like these two, they're great. They really got something. I mean, the scene, I, I think Michael Apriglione is fine on the show, but the scene where he like takes an acting class and Trey DiMatteo got for him and he's doing the scenes of, <laughs> from Rebel Without a Cause, he's doing like, like he's doing James Dean. I was like, oh wow, Michael Imperioni. It, 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 it's it's like there's this small indie film sorry for this rant uh called two days with paul rudd where he's playing like a failed actor who's decided to commit suicide and he's getting this documentary crew led by adam scott to follow him around wow. and a lot of it is weird broad comedy the film doesn't really work but there's an amazing moment where he gets his agent like thinks it's like oh you're just doing this for attention so here i got you an audition he's like no 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 i'm i'm gonna kill myself like i don't want an audition and the documentary crew is like oh this will be good you should do it like fine and he does it and it's an incredible before it's some of the best dramatic acting i've seen from paul rudd this like two minute monologue straight to camera where he's like tearing up and is doing this beautiful beautiful dramatic monologue where you're like whoa where did this come from and that's how i felt seeing christopher uh uh, christopher or, or michael imperioni as christopher doing like the ending scene of rebel without a cause like i've got the bullets like tearing up and i was like whoa this is you know because it's like the character is not at least as far as season four is not called upon to hit that level he's not someone that's in touch with his emotions that way so it's amazing to then see the as an actor see him him allow it it and do that you're like oh i see you are capable of so much more than this role is allowing well, you to do, which isn't against the role because no. you're playing, you know, Italian American, like made man. Yeah. You're not allowed to be. That's why Gandolfini was such a revelation because it's like, oh, you're the first episode. He's like crying about the ducks in his pool. And you're right. like, you're a big, tough mob guy that looks like James Gandolfini. And yeah. you're going to be emotional and allow yourself to cry. It's like very delightful as an audience member. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those guys who were in the show, like, were like, actors but some of them were like sort of yeah. actors whereas like michael imperioli is like an actor right. who like hit it big doing this one particular thing you yeah, know steve van zant is a member of the e street band yes. who and you also know sometimes acts just bringing it all back to my dad my dad loves bruce and i remember i was walking down the street one day in the west village and i was like that's steve van zant i texted my dad he's like i'm so proud you recognized him <laughs> <laughs> Um, but back to Marissa. <laughs> uh, so 
The screenwriter, Dale Launer, remembered an early meeting about the script with executives. So, so to be fair, this wasn't nothing to do with Marissa Tomei. This was just the script. Mm-hmm. But the studio wanted to cut this character out of the movie. And the screenwriter's like, she's the best thing in the movie. And they were perplexed as to why Mona Lisa gets the star turn on the stand at the end of the courtroom drama. And they said, can't we give those lines to Vinny? And the answer from Launer was a resounding new. Like, I'm like, what? Is it then in their mind? Like, why can't he just realize he's an expert on autumn? If he works with the mechanics, he's an expert on automotive, whatever. So he can put himself on the stand and like, great. It's like, no, because who's he? He needs to have a sounding board the yes. whole movie. So many of his, most of his dialogue is with Marissa Tomei. But also one of the things that, and I was thinking of this as I was watching the movie again, it's like one of the things that's so great about this movie is that like, yes, like he knows a lot of this, but like she, and and, and so much of it is like her helping him. Right. But she is not purely a foil for him. She has like her own agenda, her things she wants to do. She's got an opinion about things. She has like some agency, you know, like it feels like a full person, yes. which so many films of this type, like I know. She's you don't not she's get. not just the nagging fiance no. where it's like, when are you gonna marry me? Because in that one scene, I mean, it is like her admitting she's like, maybe it was a bad time to bring it up. It's like it is her still I'm she's trying to help, but of course she's still frustrated because it's been yes, ten years. But she's very human. So and human. again, yeah. has like it's she's inc- trying oh. to help not just because that's what help what is helpful for the plot, but because it's like what she she's like i love this person it feels like a real partnership it makes her feel like a real yeah again fully developed person who happens to be like the love interest in this movie yeah so jonathan lynn cast her because he'd seen her on the set of oscar working with john landis and and he she was like almost unknown like she didn't have a huge amount of credits um, or I think she's Stallone's sister or cousin, possibly. In, I, in Oscar. I saw it in theaters. She's if got, it was that she's early got in the last, 90s, she's I got don't the same why. last name. They both have the same last name of Provolone, I believe. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Um, but so he he was like wanted to take the chance on her, and he knew that he'd gotten the right actress of the part when he saw the dailies from the first scene they shot with her was them driving into town of, of her arriving and being like, Oh yeah, you blend. <laughs> He's like, blend. Great, this is it. We've done it. And good on you, Jonathan Lynn, because this like really did this helped make her career. And I think Marissa Tomei is so good. She's and brilliant. So underrated, because I think this it was like the controversy of like, oh, she, did she really win or did Jack Pounce? That's so insulting. You I say d- the wrong name. makes me so mad. Because she's also so good in The Wrestler and so good in In the Bedroom, so which are the other two movies. Well, it's just because those are the other two she's been nominated for, which yes. she could have won for either of those Absolutely. again she's as well. fantastic in both of those. Um, but here's who she was up against at the 1993 Oscars. So here are the nominees for Best Supporting Actress. You had Judy Davis for Husbands and Wives, the okay. Woody Allen film, Vanessa Redgrave for oh, Howard's End, Joan Plowright for Enchanted April, and Miranda Richardson for oh Damage. Oh my, that is a, that is a ridiculous <laughs> roster. An embarrassment of riches. But also like none of those films are were like huge, huge films. Probably the biggest was Howard's, Howard's End. End. And that's still like Merchant and Ivory maybe. Yes. But it's still like, a, a prestige pres- smaller you know what film this is making me think of is yeah. the very famous 1950 best actress oscar race which had judy holiday for judy holiday won born for yesterday. born yesterday another like 
comedy mm-hmm, turn that one mm-hmm. that people have still been like i don't know how i feel about that because she was up against gloria swanson for, Ooh, uh, sunset. for sunset boulevard oh. and betty davis and ann bancroft <laughs> not ann bancroft oh my gosh ann baxter thank you all right sammy betty davis and ann bancroft for all about eve not ann bancroft ann baxter oh my god <laughs> I'm Betty it. Davis and Anne Baxter for All About Eve. And who's the fifth? Eleanor someone. <gasps> Eleanor Parkhurst. Eleanor. Eleanor someone. Eleanor someone for some movie nobody cares about. Gotcha. But like people were talking about how like yeah. Anne Baxter <laughs> and and Betty Davis, like maybe we're splitting the vote. But yeah. then also people are like, do I vote for Gloria Swanson? Do I vote for Betty Davis? And people are like, well, you know, right, Judy right. Holiday just snuck yeah. in there because they split the vote, which like that may be partially true, but it's also a technically brilliant performance and it's yeah. like that that the academy discounts comedy to such a way that it's like well there's got to be excuses for why this attractive funny person won because clearly there's no value in that yeah well it's also marissa tomei wasn't nominated for a ton of the other awards for this performance mm. the oscar this movie got no nominations at the golden globe which feels like this film it feels like it's ready made for the globes this feels like it should have been nominated or won for best comedy of the year joe pesci if i had to guess i'd been like okay probably got nominated for best comedy or musical joe pesci must have been nominated maybe fred Gwynn coming off of goodfellas yeah yeah because at least for the lead actors because they split those between drama and comedy so it makes sense but i could be like fred Gwynn maybe snuck in for supporting but that maybe it was filled up already for whichever dramatic supporting performances would go on to be nominated mm-hmm. for the Oscars. But I'd be like, and Marissa Tomei must be nominated. Wasn't. Joan Plowright won the Golden Globe uh, for Enchanted April. And Marissa Tomei and, Red- and Vanessa Redgrave were not nominated. So Alfre Woodard was nominated for this film, Passion Fish. And mm-hmm. Geraldine Chaplin was nominated for the movie Chaplin. Geraldine Chaplin for Chaplin. I know. Who's, she's so good in that. I've not seen Passion Fish, but love Alfre Woodward. But the two of them did not then get nominated mm-hmm. for the Oscar. But Marissa Tomei, like, not nominated for... It was, like, small, very small. I don't remember. It might have been, like, a Critics' Choice Award or something. But it wasn't, like... And, and maybe, like, I don't like an MTV movie award or something, but not a lot. And then won the Oscar. So I get is... that. It's also like, it's not like she swept like, Oh, she won the globe. She won this. Yeah. She wasn't even nominated wow. for the globe, which is bananas to me. It's it. All right. So I know that as we said earlier, like awards are meaningless. So yes, stupid. So I, stupid. I, but, but I'm still obsessed. With they that. also can be, they're a tool. Which I think I've said in a previous episode. They are, and I said that they were given out by tools. And you're right. Now it's all coming back to, <laughs> to me, me now. now. Um, but it's 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 something like that. Even if she were just nominated for an Oscar, that ups her asking price. But she True. wins an Oscar. Suddenly, it's like, well, everybody wants like to like think about like what are we doing with this person, or it enables her to then like have other opportunities that otherwise like she's you know just in a hit comedy you know and that's um just really interesting to think about the trajectory of someone's career when those surprise nominations happen yeah and, and that can sometimes be a detriment like oh, if you're absolutely. not you know if, if you're a very particular type of actor and it's like well the, the your asking price is now too high considering that you're like so specific of the a guy performer. in what's that movie captain phillips? captain phillips uh yes what's his name uh bar barkad abdi i believe we'll pronounce it but yes that like he, he had to like be buying i mean that was a nightmare if you look up to like his in, 
interview talking about that mm. where he had to all the stuff that you're like yeah they're not paying for you for all of the promotional stuff where he's like having to buy his own like suits and like buy all this stuff where he was like i, I think working at like a, a radio Oof. store or something to, after doing captain phillips because he's like, like he doesn't do have the money I for this it's like all this nonsense because he wasn't like, paid uh, he was paid for captain phillips but he wasn't paid like bananas money no, for he it because like, it was he, like, like oh we can pay nothing for you yeah because you've no other acting credits yeah yeah it can be a right mess uh but it all worked out for marissa tomei because she's still going strong she is aunt may in those spider-man movies uh which is a delight to have her in um but as far as who else was considered for Mona Lisa mm-hmm. Vito, Marissa Tomei, not the first choice. First choice, Lorraine Bracco. That's unsurprising to hear. I thought you were going to recommend her and then you didn't. And now I see no, why. No, you see why. Uh, who'd have been great? I mean, yes. speaking of Goodfellas, having just rewatched it recently. Totally. Incredible in Goodfellas. She's magnificent. It is. I mean, the way that they the two of them argue, I could also see, you know, get Ray Liotta as Vinny. If, if you're having him I as like a younger, Ray a younger man that's just like, you're just not applying yourself to being a lawyer. You're yeah. just putting it off. But yes, Lorraine Bracco instead in 1992 had Radio Flyer with Elijah Wood, mm. Medicine Man with Sean Connery, where mm. it's, yeah, they're just like a rainforest love adventure story where he's like some reclusive medicine man who's discovered the cure for cancer or something she's the reese i'm your research assistant and he's like but you're you're a woman uh right and traces of red the erotic thriller with jim belushi she was busy yeah busy get getting busy with jim belushi so this would have been a much better choice for lorraine brocco uh debbie mazar of also in goodfellas uh empire records uh and such was considered who couldn't possibly have made the room for my cousin Vinny because in 1982 debbie mazar had toys with robin williams malcolm x uh singles the cameron Kerr movie some movie called Bad Love starring Tom Sizemore, the Steve Buscemi indie In the Soup. Some movie called In, In the Soup. Some movie called Inside Monkey Zetterland and shooting season 2 of the Mariel Hemingway drama Civil Wars. Packed packed and schedule for Debbie Mazar. Like Lorraine Bracco, what are you doing? Get on Debbie Mazar's level. Oh, and you know what? Um because uh we talked about her in Truman, she was up for a role in Truman show. Uh Annabella uh, Shora, Shora. Uh, now that I realized is playing what like a woman that Tony is seeing on in season three of The Sopranos <laughs> playing whatever lover just she'd also be a very good Mona Lisa I was like oh yeah also the very strong strong passionate Italian-American actor uh, Annabella Shiora and you know who else turned it down one of our faves, Gina Davis. I was like, I started making a J. Is it the Joe or the like, G? Is it the Joan Cusack be? or the Gina Davis? But it was Gina Davis turned it down. And instead, 1992 had a league of their own. So. Oh, all right. Classic. I mean, she already had her Oscar at this point. Gina Davis was getting She's it done. Fine. Whereas like Joan Cusack, obviously like you know staten island different than brooklyn but like we've you know, she she working girl that's what i'm saying not even it's not even leather it's not even leather um but i think because gina davis i feel like was already known enough at this point i think it works having someone that you don't have as much of an attachment yes, to for and sure. for them to then go wind up not just be 
the fiance character, but to wind up on the stand at the end is such a delight. Yes. That if you had Gina Davis, you'd be like, well, clearly. When's the big moment? Exactly. And I think that's why it works so well with Marissa Tomei, along with the fact that she is perfect in this role. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you think would any of these other three actors that were up for this role, would they have won the Oscar if they were up for it? Would Gina Davis possibly have won a second Oscar? If Lorraine Bracco, maybe. Lorraine Bracco was nominated for Goodfellas, and maybe because it's like, oh, okay, you're so good in this very dramatic role in Goodfellas, and now we're getting to see like that tuned into the comedy, or would it be, this is just you doing your Goodfellas role again in a comedy? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like part of what happened with Marissa Tomei was the element of surprise and people being like, I'm so delighted by this performance. It's so good. I'm going to vote for it. Once you've won an Oscar, you know, and you're then like in yeah. the in the mix with a Redgrave and a Richardson and a Plowright, you the, know. The, they, so I forget who it was, but people, someone was suspecting it was that like the 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 dame they split the dames vote. Well, that's what I was Plow saying Ride with like Red all Grave. the with like yeah. Gloria Swanson, Betty Davis, right, and right. Baxter. Like that people are like, well, you know, they split and then this split and that's how she snuck in. And like that might be partially true, but it's also like an incredible performance. And that's that's the thing about awards too is I feel like really. Most of the time, the nominee pool is like, that is the award. How do you, at, after that, narrow it down to one? I think it's quite uh, stupid and reductive, quite it frankly. Is. That's why George C. Scott always uh, just did not care. Like, all the times he was nominated, he was like, don't care, don't care. He's like, unless it's all these actors were playing the exact same role. Yeah. Then that's the only way that you could judge them against each other. Because it's I, also, you're judging, yes. it's like how the role is written. Like, there's so many other factors that go in. It's so dumb listener this is so stupid but we are doing a whole we're month devoting an entire academy award winning performances <laughs> but i it is a push and a pull but i do believe that there's <laughs> value in like acknowledging like great acting but we look yeah. at like nominations and it's like we're seeing the same people nominated again and again what because they'll show up and and make good photographs for that's why it's so exciting when i when I, you have people you know when you have like the two two women from roma nominated and yeah. it's like no one knows these women in america in a way where it's like oh wow they're here let's take as opposed to like you know oh let's nominate not to say that denzel washington is not great because denzel washington always brings it but like you're nominating denzel for roman j israel esquire a, because I'm sure he was good in it, though I've not seen it. But B, because you want Denzel to show up at the Oscars. Mm -hmm. You want to see Denzel there. Uh, you know, you're whatever. The year of um, when you had Michael Shannon and Take Shelter and Michael Fassbender in Shame not get nominated. And instead, you had George Clooney for The Descendants and Brad Pitt for Moneyball. Yeah. Both fine, but because you want George Clooney and Brad Pitt to show up to the to Oscars. show up at the Oscars. And look pretty and sit in the front row. Yeah, and I'm I get like, it. I get, get it. it. But it's also just like, they don't need it. They don't need it. They don't deserve it. They don't need it. But yeah, when you have, you know, it's also like having the voters. There's so many films. And to be like, I mean, it's, I forget. I think it was like Entertainment Weekly had some like anonymous interview with like a few of the voters. Like there's like one producer, one actor, one one writer, one whatever. Mm -hmm. And like the ones that were like, you know, well, uh, when it's like not, I feel like for costume design or whatever. Like, well, I only saw this film of the nominees. So that's why I voted for that one. Like, yeah. Whereas at the Tonys, you are only allowed to vote in that category if you have seen all of them. And because with the Tonys, 
they can tell whether or not you picked up your tickets. Mm. They know if you were there. So like you're not like I, I have a friend who um, is a, was a Tony voter for a while anyway, who like had another friend in a show who's like, I'm, I'm like getting calls from so-and-so being like, hey, uh, when are you going to kind of come see our show? Because he knows I haven't seen it because like they can check that. Oh, wow. You know, and, yeah. and so that does make it in some ways a bit more fair because, you know, people are at least only voting on the things they definitely saw. Or at least saw the first act before leaving. At least saw the first act. Those costumes look great. Hate the show. Love how it looks. Uh, yeah, very true. So those were all the characters that I found other casting options for, but there were a few characters we didn't mention. So I want to briefly touch on them. We've got Ralph Macchio as Bill Gambini, who I think is doing everything you need. He yeah. doesn't have a ton but he's delightful. To actually do. I mean, he is like the one that is on trial for murder, but he does. For me, the most important thing is that he crushes that title line. My, my cousin, cousin Vinny. <laughs> he also, my other favorite line reading is after he said, I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk. And then they go out and you see the penny drop and he spins around as the door is closing and goes, whoa, wait a minute. It's like, I'll never not hear that line reading in my head. That like kind of California, woo, with the super like Brooklyn, yeah. New Jersey. I mean, Wait a minute. If, if this movie was made in the late 70s, I could see John Travolta in this role. Oh, Saturday yes. Night Fever of like, oh, whoa, I'm on trial for murder. Like, whoa, don't touch the hair. Uh, but yeah, Ralph Macho, he's doing, he getting the job done, doing totally. everything that one needs. Uh, with Lane Smith as Jim Trotter, the third the prosecuting attorney. I think great. Perfect. Some great hand acting the all throughout. The way that he talks to the jury, how he just, which look, having been on a jury, needing everything explained to me because I knew nothing about insider trading. I needed them to be very, Blah, 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 you needed blah, the hand blah. acting. You needed like on this hand, this means this. And in they, this hand, they this tried means to that. do that. And then the he more claps them together, and you're like, wow, now the two wow, things are together. Now I get it. What? Just, but just the way that he'll like spin around, ah, identical. Just so funny. Such a parody of like, oh yeah, you know, I I did an episode of Perry Mason, and now I get to like <laughs> lampoon all of that on this <laughs> movie. Yeah, but I, I think he's so good. It's just like that all these other act characters, him and then Bruce McGill is the Sheriff Farley. They also just feel great. so real. They're yes. not casting like, oh, these are like wacky looking supporting it's characters. It's not John Lovitz as the district attorney. Exactly. You're not, he's not, Joe Pesci isn't coming to town. And it's like, look at this town of like complete, not even just Alabama stereotypes, but just wacky character actors. They just feel like very real human people. That are slightly heightened because it is a comedy. Absolutely. But heightened in a way that you're like, I still buy this guy. And even Austin Pendleton as oh. John Gibbons. He, it, it really, he's not like doing, because, so big Broadway actor, the original model in Fiddler on the Roof mm -hmm. on Broadway, uh, but was a real life stutterer. So he originally turned down the part, but he did it as a favor to his friend, Jonathan Lynn, the director. And according to Pendleton, he had trouble finding work in film for years because he became typecast as a stutterer. Oh. People just assume like, oh yeah, that's, you're the stuttering guy. I didn't realize that he was a, a former stutterer. That's, yeah. that's, that actually makes me feel a bit better about the performance. That he's the one, I mean, yes. yeah, I mean, that is like, that is at least bringing, I've got to yeah. backslide into this. But like, at least bringing someone who has like experience true. in that and in the flop sweat, not being just about like, oh, I'm talking to these people, but like, oh, now that I'm talking to people, like my stutter is going to come. 
come back out. Absolutely. That honestly makes me feel a bit better about it because there's more um, a depth of a profile of experience being brought to that. Yeah. And you know, he never treats it's never treated as like it's not it's never played for comedy. You know, it's so funny because he is so it's because he's trying to overcome and it and just it. like the when he grabs the one juror's shoulder as he's like <laughs> steadying himself being like, what am I? What am I trying to say here? It's so funny. You know, Austin Pendleton also in my start in Sergeant Bilko. Of course. Of course he is. Well, I'm going to have to watch. Have you uh, not listen, seen no, it? of course I've never seen Georgia Bilko. <laughs> Listener, uh, this is just a film that I, Amy Joe, my, my, Look, in case, you know in case, you, in case you're, your first episode, a- Amy Joe and I are real life married. Uh, <laughs> but that doesn't mean we I, have watched all of the child and family classics. We sure haven't, but that I've heard about Sergeant Bilko so many times. Look, we watched it a lot. <laughs> from you. <laughs> my dad also loves, like, because Dan Aykroyd and uh, Austin right. Pendleton have a couple of scenes together, mm-hmm. and there's just an oft quote like exchange between the two of them that's just like yeah austin between that and this movie austin pendleton much beloved okay. in my childhood house you, you know the films that you loved as a kid that or when you were younger that you introduced to me thinking of sister act thinking of romeo and michelle's high school mm-hmm. union i have absolutely loved so i'm down this to check out as Sergeant good Bilko. as that it won't well, be I'm as down good to as keep that. my expectations <laughs> super low yeah. <laughs> so final thoughts anything else we haven't touched on any of the other uh actors or supporting performances it really is like top to bottom all, all of the like the, the i mean this woman with the the coke bottle glasses it's like they're all mrs riley yes mrs riley and only, only mrs, mrs. Riley. riley how many fingers am i holding up now they're all like t- i think this is a perfect cast t to b it's so well cast that, i mean yeah all the like People are playing the witnesses that we see a number of times. Like everyone just feels so real. You know what? When we were watching this film with my dad over the summer, there's that one woman who has maybe two lines uh, when when you think they're being held uh, or pulled over for shoplifting and then it cuts to the sack of suds and the clerk is lying on on the ground like with blood around him and then they're all like all the cops are there and they're taking notes and then one of them walks outside and this, outside and this woman runs up and she's like, got like a clip in her hair that's clearly from like where she was she did like have some kind of cap like a shower cap or like a curler in or something like she's clearly like just gotten the news on the phone and rushed there without fully putting herself together and she's you know uh, she's like i heard someone shot jimmy willis like he's dead ma'am oh like that she has two lines what really one line and like an exclamation but that they still dressed her with that attention to detail and she's still like that everyone, everyone yeah. who has one line, the guy making the grits, you know, everybody has like such depth. I don't know. It's so well done. It's just really well directed. Jonathan Lynn, my cap off to you as <laughs> always. Um, and it's just, I think that's one of the reasons why it continues to work. Cause there's never a moment where you're like, Oh no, this really terrible line reading. It's like, Nope. I don't think, yeah, not, not a moment, not a moment. You know, I love it. I love it. So a sequel was discussed they've been they tried to make for a while where it would have been vinnie gambini practicing in britain which makes sense of how like when sequels are so like exactly how do you escalate to have him whatever get john cleese reprising his archie leech from uh fish called wanda Wanda. um but marissa tomei dropped out of the project which makes sense it's like i'm not gonna do this again i'm I'm not not gonna gonna be like grace if the sequel is her now like now marissa tomei's it's mona lisa becoming a lawyer my cousin my cousin mona uh Mm -hmm. now we're talking 
Um, but she dropped out, and the attempts to create a suitable story without her character went nowhere to the point where the proposed film was canceled. However, in 2017, mystery writer Lawrence Kelter began a sequel novel called Back to Brooklyn, which has the further cases of Vincent Gambini as an attorney with Mona Lisa Vito serving as his investigator. Uh, And I believe they have, there might be, there might be a second. I think there are two books now as the series, which is like essentially like a modern working class Italian American version of the thin man. Uh, (gasps) But yeah, we, oh wow. I, Another classic series in my house is The Thin Man. Uh, but yes, now you've got Back to Brooklyn, and I forget. I think it's Wing and a Prayer is the second book. Uh, which uh, now, yeah, we've got. I some, hope they're not terrible, what? and even if they are, I'm gonna read them. Um, and though there was never an official sequel, Joe Pesci reprised his character for his 1998 album. Vincent LaGuardia Gambini sings just for you. <laughs> All right, I got to play a bit of this for you, specifically... I don't want to get into licensing trouble. Well, no, we'll just play a little bit of of this song, Yo Cousin Vinny. Every time I get the urge to visit my hometown, I'm sure that all my cousins will try to track me down. My heart says go, my head says no, it's best to stay away. But if I appear, I'm sure to hear all those jerk-offs say, Hey, Cousin Vinny! All right, that's just a little bit of oh, Yo treat. Cousin Vinny from Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You, available wherever you purchase music. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Vincent LaGuardia I Gambini wish. Sings Just For You. <laughs> Amy Jo? Yes? What are you recommending this week? Well, I'm going to go to a podcast that I've loved for quite some time called Red Handed, And uh, it's a true crime podcast. It's these two Brits. They're very funny. They they talk about crimes in a way that is researched um, and they have a nice rapport. So it's kind of a nice balance between something like My Favorite Murder, which like I think anyone who listens to that knows the level of research is very low and that's part of their charm um but these two like spend a lot of time they write the episodes they craft them and like they're friends they're very funny and they're uh, i don't know they're really enjoyable so i've been listening to red-handed for quite some time and if you like true crime you might like them too love it jeff amy joe what you recommending well, we've celebrated an anniversary of this pandemic. We celebrated a one-year anniversary, and we're still going. And we're even though we're nearing it, uh, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm feeling it. So it's been real nice to be watching some great comedies, especially mm-hmm. on the pod. You know, we've done this, Ferris Bueller, uh, Catwoman. It certainly made me laugh, Hilarious. regardless of if they knew it was a comedy. Uh, so I want to recommend another comedy for you, a comedy series, the British series Green Wing, which as of right now is streaming on Prime, but it is just a 
an absolutely ridiculous hospital, like like it feels like a send up of hosp- like a hospital soap. It absolutely is, but written by and for comedians. Absolutely, just such absurd comedy and some incredible, incredible British comedians: Stephen Mangan, Tamsin Greig, uh, young, uh, uh, young Academy. Speaking of Academy Award winners, Academy Award winner Olivia Coleman. Uh, Michelle Gomez. Michelle Gomez. Uh, yes. So many great, hilarious actors. So perfectly stupid. Yeah. Uh, so can't recommend enough. Just a bananas, bananas comedy uh, that I have watched the entirety of. It's a two series and it's, you know, it's a British series, so it's not, it's not a ton of episodes. Uh, so you could watch it in a, it, easily within a week. Uh, and strong recommend if you're looking for something funny new to, and new to watch. So that is what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at endalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Want to know what Oscar-winning performance we're going to be talking about next week? Well, gosh, find us over on Instagram or on Facebook at and almost starring. Give us a follow and you'll find out on Saturdays. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Mitchell Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost starred.